Hello and welcome to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply, where we talk to support professionals from all over the world and discuss what's behind their team's success. This interview is brought to you by Nice Reply, an all-in-one customer satisfaction tool that helps you measure or improve the quality of your customer service. My name is Craig Stoss, and I'm here today with Camille Acey, the Global Head of Customer Experience at Humio, recently acquired by CrowdStrike. Camille, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Camille, you know, with your experience and, and, and something that you and I chatted about earlier, I love the idea of the subtle aspects of support. You know, we've all heard of the metrics we take. We've all heard of ticket complexity and, and all these things that come up, SLAs and, and business outcomes and all these general terms. But what, what was really interesting is you talked to me about the subtleties of these things and the impacts that they might have that aren't obvious. And I'd, I'd really like to dive into that with you. So maybe maybe we'll start with what metrics do you think have subtleties that that maybe aren't fully understood across support leaders? Hmm. That's a great question. Thanks again for having me, Craig. I think one of the things that I've struggled with and one of the things I think we you and I talked about before we started um, recording is this idea of time to resolution. A lot of times people come to uh, understanding of support with the idea that like speed is king, right? And one of the questions I ask when I interview candidates for support is tell me the last great customer experience you had. And if they understand it correctly, which is customer experience they had, not that they gave, that they had, that they received as customers on the receiving side, um, a lot of times they'll say Amazon. They love the speed of if there's a problem, how quickly Amazon resolves it, how quickly Amazon defers to them is their right. Of course, benefit of the doubt, we'll send the new thing out to you, we'll fix the broken thing. And it's a great feeling. You get what you need and you move on with your day. I work in support of software, SaaS software, on-prem software. The level of complexity is a lot more than Timmy's bicycle came with a bent wheel. And so looking at a time to resolution without understanding that complexity of the engagement is really can be really shallow if you don't have that nuance of the challenges that the customer is facing also understanding what the customer's expectation of that would be because i feel like being in software support and supporting other technical users they understand how hard this is because they're doing it right they're building software themselves and they have software that gets uh in terms uh supported. So this idea that they are expecting Amazon, you know, broken bike speed on some of the harder issues where they know that we might need to push code, we might need to go through processes of QA, PRs getting open, code review, testing, all the things that need to happen before something gets released, and that they're expecting Amazon speed, I think is, is can be really wrongheaded. Just following up on that, do you think that this is different even in software? You know, for example, if you're working with business critical software versus maybe, uh, you know, a game, you know, is, is there the expectation from the customer might be similar, but but what about what the actually what you can actually provide from a support perspective? Yeah, I mean, the way my team now thinks about it is we want to, in the case of an incident where it's mission critical, we want to get out of that state of it being a mission critical outage, a mission critical blocker. And then we can right size around that. So getting away from a P0, P1 to P2, P3, 
or they've got a workaround, they've got a functioning system, and we just want to optimize on that functioning system. So, of course, time to resolution when a ticket or a case is in the state of it's on fire is critically important. Time to resolution across the entire body of tickets from I didn't get my bill to you know, something that requires maybe weeks of engineering time to remediate is it, they're not all created equal. They're not all created equal, but definitely uh, chunking things out, understanding and optimizing your time to resolution on those showstopper issues is, of course, remains uh, vitally important. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, what you started this with was talking about what the customer expectation is, like what someone's ideal scenario is, which lends itself really well into metrics like CSAT and NPS being high. If you if you get what you want, your CSAT generally tends to be high. Um, but what about the cost of moving CSAT and NPS higher? Like there, there's an associated cost to make sure you can improve time to resolution. You you can spend more time giving bespoke answers versus versus you know uh, you know macros. Uh, what what what's the cost of that? Well, I mean, first of all. I hope this probably, you know, I hope this won't be controversial amongst customer care professionals, but NPS can't be wholly owned by a customer care team. I, I agree. It's a net promoter score for the overall brand and product. So I think when we're talking about the cost of moving it, I think that's an org level, high level conversation about what do we want, need to do to turn the entire ship around? Um, in terms of CSAT, I also think sharing ownership there is important. And it's not to pass the buck on our team. We definitely want to see where quality falters in terms of our response or our response time. But I've found that sometimes that CSAT is related to customers not being happy with the outcome of a situation and not so much the service we provided, but we say this is a won't fix. Are you happy? No. When it comes back to survey, are you happy? No, I'm not happy. Are you mad at the agent? You know, they're probably not, but they're mad at what the agent told them and they need some place for that to be reflected. So even pinpointing the root causes of negative CSAT can be pretty tough. Um, and so thinking about what the cost would be to move it um, is challenging. And that's not to to say there's nothing that can be done. There are tools, for example, I really like Klaus if it's implemented well, which is kind of a peer review or a manager review where you can start to kind of at random pull out tickets and start to set a criteria internally and judge tickets against that and start to coach your team into better practices. I know at a previous company when we implemented Klaus, I talked about the concept of conciseness, correctness in terms of how technically correct, how Quickly, could you tell them? And completeness. So let's say, and we have this all the time, a customer will write in and the headline will be thing X is broken. And as you continue the thread, they'll start talking about thing Y and thing Z. And so as you're responding to them, are you as concisely as possible getting back to them on the matter? Is your technical command of the issue uh, to the level it needs to be that you can give them the right answer? And are you answering X about X, Y, and Z? Are you just still on that X and you haven't, respond to them about Y and Z. So there's other criteria you can set and um, a tool like Klaus will enable you as a manager or uh, the peers peer to peer to say, okay, does this tick all the boxes there? And I think that is a worthwhile investment 
using that time to QA how you respond and also using it as an opportunity to not just yes, no, bad, good, but hey, this looks like ticket over ticket. There's a lot of agents who don't understand this new feature that was released. Let's use it as an opportunity to do a skill share or knowledge share about this feature. And I think those are worthwhile investments for the team. I don't like the idea that anybody's in the queue 100% of the time. Pulling out to do things that will improve the overall customer experience and the overall team experience, I think are worthwhile investments. Um, drawing a straight line from those kind of investments to a tick up or a tick down and see that again, I'd love to hear from someone who's been able to draw a straight line from, we implemented Klaus and started setting up skill shares and all of a sudden we went up 10 points. Like, I don't know that there's a, a one-to-one correlation, but I do think it's still a worthwhile investment in the overall quality of, of your team and the quality of the customer experience. Yeah, tools that measure quality and, and tools that, that help uh, find the gaps in training certainly help the, the, the customer experience. I, I think that's that's really, uh, really important for teams to understand and, and understand the, the ROI on the, those types of tools may not be completely obvious in some spreadsheet, but but your your people are learning. Your team is getting more engaged and, and able to solve harder problems and, and faster. Um, that that lends itself to to things like SLAs and outcomes, another type of metric we we measure. And what I'm curious is is you know you know I've worked with a lot of support teams where they'll set some arbitrary number. Oh, you know your your first response time has to be within. 20 minutes. And it's almost like a number picked out of thin air uh, because somebody told them there was an industry benchmark. And I, I'd like to understand your take on the impact to both customers, but but, but also employees, like what your your associates or your agents are, are working hard here to, to meet those deadlines. What's the, what's the impact of of setting SLAs or you know, expecting outcomes that that may not be realistic? Well, I find that SLAs are. Um... It tends to be a dialogue between sales and the support success team. Uh, and anyway, I, I've never been anywhere where we had whole ownership of that without sales as a pretty major stakeholder. And I find a lot of times that they're just looking to, number one, meet whatever benchmark, you know, sort of industry level benchmark, what do our competitors offer? And then the second thing is, you know, through that back and forth, with customers where they're going through contract red lines, there's usually a standard internally that the customer may have. Um, so I think I have done that dance at many places where we just kind of push back in terms of what's reasonable given the team capacity. And, uh, you know, sales will push back and say, we, in order to close this deal, we have to meet X or Y or Z. And we try and meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, I never gotten something that was like a dream, only business hours kind of set up because the kind of software I work with tends to be mission critical and definitely sold globally where we need to make sure that there's someone on hand to support customers at the different times of day where they'll be using it and will be running, which in many cases is 24 by seven. That said, uh, I'd like to be honest with my team. It's mission critical software to our customers. And I hate to say it, but none of it has been mission critical in terms of saving lives really, you know? The approach that I like to take is is try and hit that SLA when you can. Try and make sure you have a response to the customer that's something of value. 
I wrote a blog post actually, and I can give you the link if you have show notes or whatever, and it's called Re Reducing Information Asymmetry in Support. And it's really about this idea that within the time you have till the SLA runs out, what information can you gather for the customer that will give them either something to go on, something to tell their customers, if let's say they have internal consumers or external consumers, uh, or something to research, investigate on their own. Some way to keep themselves busy. There's this concept of waiting lines and keeping customers' minds and hands busy if they're waiting in a line um, that, I guess, improves their morale or improves their sense of um, something moving forward. So with my teams, I really try and do that. And I find with junior agents, there's this concern with completeness and correctness that keeps them from reaching those SLA sometimes. They're like, if I have 20 more minutes, I'll have a full, really great answer for this customer. But that also means the SLA is going to run out. And I usually say, if you've got something, a morsel of something that will, number one, let the customer know that you've heard them, you're concerned with their issue, and you've got some breadcrumb, give it to them. Give it to them. You'll hit their SLA. You'll give the customer something to do. You'll avoid a situation where the customer maybe reaches out to their sales rep or God forbid, your CEO saying they feel neglected. Um, so that's really what I try and aim for. I definitely understand where people are like, I know I feel so close to the answer or I'm just in the process of reproing this and I just need 30 more minutes. But if you can do something that will meet our SLA and also give the customer a little something, you actually buy yourself time. Um, I, I really like just that first response SLA and not like a second and third SLA. I don't like building stress into that cycle. What I do like to do is create sort of an internal setup where people look at it and tickets pop back up, things like that, rise to the top and provide good visibility about the last update so that agents can see that. But I try and be reasonable around that, but understanding the contractual requirements we have around uh, response times, I, I do take it rather seriously. I do take it rather seriously. I mean, I, I think the one thing that I've never found sales really able to validate beyond that initial deal close is what is the actual revenue value of us carrying on meeting this. So they're like, they, in order to sign this contract, they need, you know, four hour first response times guaranteed on all major issues plus 24 by seven incident response. Okay. How valuable is that going to be to us moving into the future? It's definitely contractually required, but customer to customer, sometimes it just seems like it's like, what can they squeeze out of the deal or how many more eyeballs can they have on their issues at any given time? It is, I don't know that it's been scientifically proven now. <laughs> Something is SLA. I don't know how, how watertight they are in, in the lab, you know, but um, it's, it's, we don't decide these things, unfortunately, a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the point of what we're talking about here is how there's all these subtle aspects that, you know, people can put 20 minutes on a page of an SLA and it, it looks good on some sort of chart that we did or didn't hit that, but, but what does it actually mean and what is relevant to, to your business is maybe not relevant to, to someone else's business. And maybe that's actually a good point to, to, to end our conversation on here is, 
you know, why is there no correct answer? We talked about the differences between Amazon and Timmy's bike and and, and then mission critical software. Um, you know, you talked about uh, you know, things that raise CSAT are probably different between different organizations. Uh, you know, I, I want ticket complexity and how, you know, how does that factor into the metrics? I I'd really like to understand is what, what drives this diversity? We're all customers. We all have this like sense of what, how we want to be treated. Um, how do support leaders really ensure we're finding the right solutions for the for the company that we're working for? I think to the point I made before, it, it is a bit of like experimentation <laughs> and seeing where your customers land. I've, I'm really blessed at the company I'm at now that we have a lot of really great customers that are having a pretty amazing experience with the product. So the day-to-day challenges don't seem to hit them as hard. Um, You know, not to say we don't get the grumble or things escalated up to a senior level uh, time, you know, different times. But I think day-to-day they're getting such incredible value out of the product that they've, I think they overlook a lot of things, you know, and I think it is reliable so much of the time. Um, but yeah, it really values from, you know, because I think a lot of times support makes up for so many of the things that are lacking in a product, right? Like here's, we know there's a giant hole in the middle of this thing. Here's how to jump over it. Like, you know, go 10 paces back and then leap with all your might, you know? So I think the more that can happen in the product, and I, you know, this is like a whole nother topic that I'm really passionate about. But the more that the product can do, the more customers feel they're already a superhero at work. They're already a superhero in terms of them having brought this amazing tool in and they just want us to keep them in that superhero position. Uh, but it really varies from place to place. You know, I've worked at places where the product is full of bugs and it's, we don't even know what to say anymore, you know, and we're escalating and everybody's kind of kicking the can down the road support team can't win and you try and win on these like micro wins of well we hit every sla but when a customer wants to cancel their contract you can't bring that up it's like we hit every sla you can't leave now it's like they're not getting the value that they bargained for support is a small part of that but the main part is the product so i think that's why you see from company to company the weighting in terms of the overall weight of these metrics being being different if, if you've got a strong pro- product and the customers love it, then some of these other things are nice to haves, I'd say. I think they're absolutely nice to haves and they're not um, everything. And I think if you've got a strong product and a good collaborative team that from a qualitative perspective, customers do not care. They don't care and they're going to love your product. They're going to stay with you. And so I think at the end of the day, the most important metric is retention and growth. There are those two things. Are people sticking around? Are they keeping the use? Are they carrying on using the tool? That matters a lot more than one day when they were grumpy and they ticked the box and said, bad CSAT, you know? So that's what I'd hang my head on more. I think that's a very strategic view, right? I, I, I totally agree. The, uh, this idea that that if CSAT drops one percent, 
you know, that it's all hands on deck. We need to figure out why it dropped that 1%. It's not about that. You know, I've been at a company where we reported CSAT to two decimal places and it's like, you know, do we really care if it dropped 0.17%? You know, it's a a number that's supposed to give you an idea of a trend. and, And I think that, you know, tying support to revenue, tying support to churn, positive or negative correlation either way is is probably more uh, more of an effective way of understanding the satisfaction of your customers overall and and I think that's you know going back to the topic we we've been just discussing I think that's probably the biggest subtlety of all is is that support is is there to support the product their support is something that has to be measured but at the in the in the end the company makes money by retention and, and, and lowering churn. And, and so we look towards that. Uh, Camille, thank you so much for joining us. I, I really enjoyed this chat and, and I think we thank probably you. could have continued for another hour. For sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply with today's guest, Camille from Huyo. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or share it with others. And always make sure to check out our other support interviews and more quality content at nicereply.com.